Tonight, Kentucky basketball has their final big test before they see a seven-footer in their lineup. And while this may be a relatively bad matchup for the Wildcats, I think they managed to pull this one off. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Daw, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be previewing the Wildcats matchup with the Miami Hurricanes tonight. Big, big matchup in Rupp Arena. Can the young Cats overcome a very experienced Hurricanes squad? Going to dive into the matchups, what we need to know about the Hurricanes, how we feel about the Wildcats in this one. Going to give our final score prediction. And then also, we are going to go through the SEC ACC challenge and just give our thoughts on the first edition of this little challenge here between these two conferences. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Want to remind everyone out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the show. If you're listening on podcast, I would really appreciate it if you subscribe there as well. So let's go ahead and get into it. The Miami Hurricanes, what do we need to know about this squad? Jim Laranega and this team. I want to point out just kind of their record, what they do pretty much basically well and and what they don't do well. And then I want to dive into three things to know about this team. I wrote this piece over at wildcatstoday.com underneath Sports uh, Sports Illustrated if you want to go check that out. But the thing to know about Miami right now, they are undefeated. They have played a slightly more difficult strength of schedule than Kentucky. And their offense has been absolutely incredible. So you look at their five games so far, they have yet to score less than 79 points in any of their games. In fact, one of the games was a 101-60 to victory over NJIT. Um, Unfortunately, it's a really bad team, but Kentucky's also played some bad teams to start their year as well. They beat UCF, who was a top 80 team, according to Kim Palm. Georgia at a neutral site, 79-68. to That's a decent SEC team. And then they went and beat Kansas State at a neutral site, 91-83, to scoring a lot of points there against the Wildcats of KSU. This is a good team. This is an experienced team. We're going to dive into the different pieces later on in the show. But what you need to know right now is this is a team that has made a lot of waves recently in the postseason, obviously making their run last year, losing to UConn at the very end there towards the Final Four, and then the year before that as a 10 seed losing to Kansas after beating USC, Auburn, and Iowa State in their run. So they, they've got some young, they've got some older pieces compared to Kentucky's young pieces is what I meant to say there. And there are some different things about their rotation and the way that they play guys with fouls and the way that they shoot, the way they operate that I find very interesting that we're going to dive into today. Um, some of it numbers, some of it things you just have to watch. They are without their leading scorer, or not leading scorer, their lead guard from a season ago, Isaiah Wong, who is off to the NBA, but they still have some really, really good pieces. You talk about what they do really well as a whole. They shoot the three ball well. They have a lot of pace, and their defense has been lackluster. They do not really do a whole lot on the defensive end to really wow you when it comes to individual statistical things like three-point defense or 
uh, defense at the rim is actually really, really bad. Um, their pacing on the defensive end of the floor is just somewhat average. They don't slow down players. They don't play aggressive defense, at least it looks like from a number standpoint, which we will also dive into. But this is a still a solid team that knows how to score the rock. They've played some iffy competition, but at the same time, so has Kentucky. And in their two respective games where they played a, a what I think are good teams in Kansas and Kansas State, they both ended up scoring 91 and then 80 points, 84 points in those different contests, respectively. So I wrote this piece over at wildcatstoday.com. We're going to go ahead and dive into it here. Three things to know about the Miami Hurricanes before they take on the Wildcats. Lethal Company is what Kentucky is in tonight against the number eight Hurricanes. The Kentucky Wildcats offense has, like I mentioned, it's been really good this season. Number four in scoring, number 22 in field goal percentage, number four in the country in three-point percentage. Those are some insane numbers for a young team to have, albeit against some pretty bad competition, minus Kansas, like I mentioned. Miami is one of the more experienced teams in the nation. They're right there with Kentucky as one of the fastest, most efficient offenses in the country, number 13 in points per game, number nine in field goal percentage, and number one in three-point percentage. Again, these are numbers nationally, and if you don't know, there are 363 teams in Division I college basketball. To be there towards the top 25, to be there towards the top 70 is a very good number, I think, and it's something you have to identify when talking about strengths and weaknesses. But across the board for both of these teams, they both do a very good job of scoring at all three levels. Both these teams also, like I said, play very fast. You and I have talked quite a bit about Kim Palm's number when it comes to adjusted tempo, average possession length, different things like that. Kentucky, right now, has one of the quickest offenses in the country. They are top 15 nationally in possession length. And it, when it comes to adjusted tempo as a whole, they are top 100. You look at Miami, top 140 in adjusted tempo, and they're number 22 in average possession length. So what does that tell us? Well, the Hurricanes don't play phenomenal defense. Neither does Kentucky. Both these teams have really good offenses. One team is very experienced experienced going on the road. Another one is at home trying to build some momentum and get a win against a very good opponent. A lot of points should be scored in this game is what it tells you, and you should see these teams run up and down the court. Will that happen in this game? I assume so. I mean, you could see these teams come out and just be like cold from beyond the arc for an entire half, and that affects the final score of this one. We don't truly know what's going to happen. 85 to 79 is the Ken Palm score that that, uh, that, that website has. Gives, uh, gives UK a 72% chance to win this one. So pacing... Shooting the basketball, getting a lot of shots up, I think it's going to be important. It's also important to note that Kentucky averages like 29 threes a game, and Miami averages a little over 23. So how selective Miami is with their shots uh, in this game is also going to be interesting. Two different really short rotations as well is something that I want to mention. I've got some statistics here and six facts within my second thing you need to know about the Miami Hurricanes it's a, it's a lot of information to take in, but I think it's very fascinating the way that these two teams are both similar and very different in contrasting ways. I want to dive into those facts in just a second. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Game Time. So maybe let's say you're trying to get some last-minute tickets for this game tonight, or maybe you're trying to get some last-minute tickets for a Kentucky game coming up maybe December 2nd against UNC Wilmington. Maybe you want to see Aaron Bradshaw's debut against UNC Wilmington or on the road against Penn. Well, you can absolutely head over to game time because they are the fastest and easiest way to get 
your tickets deals right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. And it's not just basketball that game time covers, folks. It is music, comedy, theater, and then different sports outside of basketball, football, baseball, all of these different games that you can check out and different events near you. And the game time guarantee that they have means you will always get the best price on their app. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less elsewhere, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's really easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Like I said, they've also got views from your seats and the app so you get a feel of where you are going to be sitting. I've used game time actually a few times already this year and I can go ahead and confirm to you that the, the pictures that they have on their website or their app looking at where you're going to be sitting extremely accurate because I ended up taking pictures of myself and I love the seats that I got and the prices were absolutely incredible. You're getting a great deal with no hidden fees. All prices show your total upfront. You need to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked On College for twenty bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, continuing along here on the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Technically Tuesday, if you're watching this, Lance Daw hanging out here with you. If you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel already, please go ahead and do so. If you're listening on podcast, I would really appreciate it if you followed along there as well. So we've got one thing to know about the Miami Hurricanes and this game tonight. Kentucky and Miami both have very good offenses. And then the second thing to know, extremely experienced, extremely limited. I want to talk about six different facts here between Kentucky and the University of Miami. Let's start with three facts for the U. Fact number one, Miami is 62nd nationally in Division I experience per player. We've talked about this before on the show because we went and dove into how young Kentucky is going to be earlier in this offseason. Actually, not earlier. It was later in the offseason, like, like right before the season started because you've got all these different players in, the, in your rotation that's going to take your average experience per individual down because you've got all these uh, freshmen. Miami is sitting at 2.44 years of Division I college basketball experience per player that plays in their rotation. That's very solid. Like I mentioned, to be in the top 70 of any statistical category is good. To be in the top 100 is pretty good. To be in the top third plus there is pretty good. Fact number two, the U is 346th nationally in bench minutes. Only 20.6% of their minutes that come from their players are players that come off the bench. Looking at their game logs, it's clear that Coach Jim Laranega plays only about seven players a game, maybe eight. That's a very short bench, 346th, okay? They are towards the bottom of the barrel in the country when it comes to bench minutes per game. Fact number three, simultaneously, while also being near the bottom in bench minutes, the Hurricanes are tied for last in the country and two foul participation percentage. We talked about two foul participation percentage on an episode recently. I'm going to read this off to you, and then I'm going to break it down in much simpler terms. According to Ken Palm, this is the definition of two foul participation percentage. Two foul participation is simply the percentage of time that a starter with two fouls in the first half has been allowed to play. 
if a starter picks up a foul with 10 minutes left in the first half and plays one of those remaining 10 minutes, then he's participated in 10% of the minutes that he could have. Make sense? Add up the possible minutes for all starters and the minutes on the floor, and you get the team's number for the whole season. So if you pick up two fouls in the first half, however many minutes are left, however many minutes of those that you, you play, that's the percentage, and then you add that up for the whole team, obviously you get the number for the whole season. And then you divide, divide it by the different games and such. But the Hurricanes have a 0% two-foul participation. Whenever they get a player with two fouls, they immediately check them out in the first half. Immediately. Which is really interesting because they play a very short rotation. So what does that tell you about Coach Jim Laranega? What does that tell you about their defense? What does it tell you about their rotation? It says that he runs a tight rotation and he does not preach aggressive defense, at least statistically. If you go and look at Kim Palm and you look through the years where Coach Jim Laranega has been at the U, I don't believe they've finished above like top, I think it's top 80 or top 70 in turnover percentage on defense. We can look down the the way here. They have throughout his year, the highest number I can find is 94th. No, excuse me, 59th from three years ago. 94th is the second. And then the majority of his other years are closer towards the 200s, mid 200s, and closer towards the bottom half of the country. So statistically, Jim does not coach, or Coach Laranega does not coach uber aggressive defense. At least he hasn't consistently. He has, though, consistently through the years, gone through and played very short rotations while also not really playing kids with two fouls. And the reason I say they don't preach aggressive defense is because if they did, you would probably see a trend towards more two-foul participation because you would be committing more fouls if you play more aggressive defense. Either that, or they end up just playing otherworldly defense without fouling, and that's very difficult to do, regardless of how much experience your team has playing college basketball. So it's a very interesting dynamic for this coach and this team to consistently not play a lot of guys, but also not foul a lot, and not play a lot of guys with fouls, because you would think a short rotation would force you to do that. So those are your three facts about Miami. They don't play kids in the first half with two fouls. They pull them immediately. They run a tight rotation. Laranega's done this the majority of his career at Miami. Fact number four, and four, five, and six are about UK. Kentucky is 154th nationally in Division I experience per player. Right now, Kentucky is averaging just a shade under two years per player when it comes to their Division I experience, 1.95. That is going to tank once Aaron Bradshaw, Yugan Onyenzo, and maybe Zvonimir Ivasic make it uh, get on the onto the court. I don't know if Zvonimir is going to going to be on the team this year. Uh, he's going to be on the team. I just don't know if he's going to be able to practice or until he's approved. Um, and we have no idea when he's going to get approved. Also, Bradshaw is sitting out uh, of this game. Uh, he said so on Instagram Live, and then uh, John Calipari confirmed that uh, in a press conference. So Kentucky without any seven footer tonight. So 154th nationally in experience per player. Cool. That's a little over, a little above average. Fact number five. Kentucky is 246th nationally in bench minutes. 28.3% of their minutes are from their bench. The reason that it's higher, 100 spots higher exactly than Miami, is because Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard are really good and they deserve to play. And so they do. Miami does not have 
as much, I think, depth at guard as Kentucky does coming off the bench, despite Miami having significantly more experience. The rotation for Kentucky pretty much stops there after Dillingham and, and uh, Shepard. If you ignore Jordan Burke's, what, 9, 10 minutes per game, um, this most recent game, I believe he played, no, in the most in the most recent, like, serious game, the St. Joe's game, he played, like, what, six minutes? So, Kentucky doesn't have a ton of experience. It's being, uh, it's being driven up because of the fact that you have Reeves and Mitchell on the court so much. You also play Dillingham and Shepard off your bench a decent amount, but you're still in the bottom third nationally in bench, bench minutes or close to the bottom third. And then the final fact here, and we talked about this uh, right before Thanksgiving. Kentucky is tied first in the country in two-foul participation at a whopping 100%. No other team is close. The second highest two-foul percentage in the nation belongs to Grand Canyon at 77.1%. Auburn is third at 76.3%, but the Tigers are also top 10 in the country in bench minutes. They are the only team in the Power Six that is inside both the top 70 and the top 100 and both of those two categories, in two foul participation and in bench minutes, they are respectively, I think, third and sixth, which is mind-boggling. But what does that tell you about Auburn? They have a lot of depth. They have a lot of depth. They rotate guys. They have a deep bench. Miami doesn't have a lot, uh, a lot of d- uh, different guys they can go to, but they don't foul a ton. Kentucky fouls and, and then lets those guys play, but they don't have a deep rotation. Just slightly better, slightly to better guard play off the bench. So those are two different things you need to know about Kentucky or Kentucky versus Miami. And here's the final one: the art of second chance points. This will be big in this game, I think. If grabbing offense, offensive rebounds was, uh, if it, if it were akin to painting, Kentucky and Miami would not know how to hold a brush. At least currently they don't. I mean, Kentucky could get better at this once they actually add some size to their, their lineup. I don't know what Miami's injury situation is. Maybe they just like to play seven guys and say roll tide. That's a bit it's just a cultural thing. I'm not an Alabama fan. Let me be clear. Never will be. Both the Hurricanes and the Wildcats rank in the mid-200 range nationally in offensive rebound percentage. The problem for Miami is they do not grab offensive rebounds themselves, but they also give them up. Kentucky does not do that. They don't give up a lot of offensive rebounds on the defensive end. It's actually honestly impressive that both these teams are so efficient offensively, statistically, despite not getting a ton of second-chance points. Kentucky's also significantly taller. I think, well, not significantly. They are are taller than Miami. Miami's average height is 221st nationally. Kentucky's is 47th, and you don't have three or seven-footers playing, which is pretty good for you to be there. All of these different things, now that we've told you all of these different things, we've gotten to talk about it. What does it tell you? Both both these teams can shoot, they can run, they can score in a lot of different ways. They've got individuals on their roster that can do it very well. Nor Chad O'Meara, who is a very solid player that I believe played at Arkansas State before he went to Miami. He did. I believe we talked about that. Gosh, whenever he was transferring out, that's crazy that we've been doing that show this long. Nigel Pack, Wuga Poplar. Nigel Pack's still one of the best point guards in the country. 
I think he's got one of the better assist rates in the entire nation. Matthew Cleveland, who transferred in from Florida State, is averaging, I think, like 15 to 16 points per game right now. It may, it may be higher than that, but Cleveland is doing a lot of different things. He has the best offensive rating on this team, according to Kim Palm. His effective field goal percentage is 69.6%, which is also one of the best. On, I think it may be the best on this team out of players that are major contributors for, for, the, uh, for the Hurricanes. He's also really, really good when it comes to three-point percentage, Free throw percentage, he is 13 of 13 from the line so far this year. Miami's got some really good free throw shooters. They are averaging 82.7% from the charity stripe. That is veteran experience right there. That is proving to be a, to be solid when you got a bunch of guards and wings that can knock down free throws. Matthew Cleveland from Florida State's really good. Nigel Pack is really good. How does Kentucky handle this team, I think, offensively as a whole? I don't know if you can stop the machine. Miami can't stop Kentucky, I don't think. But individually, Pack shutting him down, distributing the basketball. I think you put Reed Shepard and DJ Wagner on him pretty consistently. And then Matthew Cleveland, it's going to be fun to see a Thiero try and work this one out. How do you handle it? How does Justin Edwards handle a player like Matthew Cleveland? Nor Chad O'Meara, also going to be going down there against Trey Mitchell and then against guys like Jordan Burks, how do you handle that matchup? I think uh, I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how Aduthiero handles the wings and this one. Wuga Poplar as well, a really good three point shooter. How does Kentucky handle things in the rotations? I don't mean like subbing guys in and out. I mean like rotations defensively. How do you attack this? So, if you've got any thoughts on this matchup tonight, I think Kentucky's going to find the, find a way to pull this one out. You can leave that in the YouTube comments below. So different players are uh, are providing fun matchups for this team or for this Kentucky team. For both these teams, just from a surface level, this looks like it should be a fun game. Final score prediction for this one: I think Kentucky cracks eighty again, but I don't think it's by much. I'm going to go eighty-one to seventy-seven. I'm going to give Kentucky the win here by four, and I think it's going to be a close game. Let me know what your score is in the comments below. I want to talk about this SEC-ACC challenge here for this uh, for this uh, conference. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to give my predictions on the entire thing in just a second. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, NFL offers stay hot over on FanDuel because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action than now. The app is super easy to use. Love using it. There's a wide range of betting options that you can choose from, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more on top of that. So you need to visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That is FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky, technically Tuesday, because I think a lot of you are going to be watching this on Tuesday. Lance Dahl, hanging out here with you. Again, if you have not subscribed to the show, please go ahead and do so wherever you are tuning in, whether that be on podcast, whether that be on YouTube, subscribe. I would love to have you on the bandwagon as we are getting closer to 6,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is just insane to think about that. You know what else is insane to think about? 
This SEC-ACC challenge, I'm going to go through the games here. I'm going to give you my prediction briefly for each individual matchup. We're going to start here on November 28th, obviously today, against uh, for the first matchup of the night, Mississippi State at Georgia Tech. I think State's going to take this one. They have proven to me that they have been a, a proven to me. Who cares what I think? They have proven that they are a very solid team here at the beginning of the season. One of the better teams, according to Kim Palm, especially on the defensive end, their top five nationally and defensive uh, adjusted defensive efficiency. I think they're going to find a way to shut this one down. Georgia Tech right now, uh, a middling team, according to Ken Palm. And by the way, Mississippi State is doing this without Tolu Smith. I want to point this out. They're currently 6-0, and only played a couple of eh, teams, Arizona State, Washington State, Northwestern. But they won them all, and they've looked really good on the defensive end uh, while doing so. Uh, watch how just uh, Josh Hubbard and Cam Matthews play in this game. Jimmy Bell also is here, which is something I didn't realize transferred in there uh, to play for the Bulldogs. So, give me State in that one. Notre Dame at South Carolina. Who Notre Dame. I don't like Notre Dame. You guys know that. We've talked about that. If any of you somehow happen to have Notre Dame allegiance uh, while listening to this podcast, somehow, while also simultaneously being tied to Kentucky, I'm sorry. I apologize. That hurts. I'm taking South Carolina. I don't feel good about South Carolina. South Carolina is 5-0. They have beaten Grand Canyon and Virginia Tech, both by relatively slim margins. Efficiency-wise, they're just kind of eh on both sides of the ball. Pretty average. They shoot the three ball pretty well. Beachy Johnson, Mouse, uh, I believe it's Studi, Stude, Stute, I don't know, transfer from Vanderbilt. They've both been really good. Uh, Michi Johnson obviously been here for uh, a hot minute. Um, I, I think that South Carolina pulls this one out because Notre Dame is simply bad this year. They've been really bad, and they cannot score. They cannot shoot the ball at all. So give me South Carolina. They're going to shoot the three. Notre Dame's not. LSU at Syracuse. Now, this is a fun one. This one should be close. According to Ken Palm, this is a one-point game. This is a 56% chance for LSU to win this one. 76 to 75 is the final score prediction. LSU right now is currently 4-2. and two. They lost to Nichols State, if you guys saw that early in the year, uh, on a last-second shot. They lost to Dayton immediately following that at a neutral site, but they did turn around and beat North Texas and Wake Forest. Yawn. I think that they're going to lose this game to Syracuse. I know Syracuse is in a kind of a weird spot now, now that Bayheim has, uh, has moved on. The only two losses that Syracuse has is to uh, Tennessee and Gonzaga. They then beat the snot out of Chaminade, uh, which is always fun just to say that, just to see in that in that uh, in that classic that they play. <laughs> oh, look, there they go again. Um, there goes Chaminade losing to Kansas or or somebody. But I, I don't think that Syracuse. I think that Syracuse finds a way to pull this one out despite their poor shooting. They're playing at home against an against an okay uh, LSU team. So. Give me uh, give me the cues there. Miami at Kentucky. We already picked this one. I'm going Kentucky. Not much else to say here. Missouri at Pitt. This is also another one that kind of intrigues me here. You look at Missouri so far this season. You look at how they're playing. Five and two offensively. Not where they were a season ago underneath Dennis Gates. They were top 10 in the country in offensive efficiency last year. Currently sitting at 95th. And you've copped two losses to Memphis and Jackson State. You lost by one point to Jackson State. Outside of that, you have beaten Arkansas Pine Bluff, SIU Edwardsville, Minnesota, 
South Carolina State and Loyola, Maryland. Woo. You're going on the road to playing against Pittsburgh, which right now is 5-1. and one. They beat Oregon State, um, which I think people overvalue. Um, I think that Pittsburgh plays better defense. They do not allow rebounds, they, or they rebound very well. Also believe they're a decent, they're a very tall team. So um, against Missouri's shorter, faster-paced squad on offense, at the very least, their adjusted tempo overall is awful. Uh, I will take Pitt. I will be taking Pitt in this game. NC State at Ole Miss. This could be the best game on the slate, I think, because you've got two clashing uh, styles here with Ole Miss playing extremely slow. And then you've got NC State. Their adjusted tempo nationally is 16th. They run up and down the court, and they get after it. They just lost to BYU and gave up 95 points in the process. Ole Miss so far this year, ooh, they're, <laughs> they've looked uh, they've looked okay. They've not looked great. They're slow. They beat, they beat Alabama State by 10, Eastern Washington by 11, Detroit Mercy by 1, Sam Houston State by 3, and Temple by by one. It has been a weird start to the year. And you know who's number one for them? Former Auburn Tiger, Alan Flanagan. You've got Matthew Morrell. Flanagan has been taking a ton of shots for them, but he's not been hitting. They're not efficient in a lot of different areas. They get some blocks, but other than that, they've got Jamarian Sharp. Of course they do. Um, I, I, I don't know about this one, especially considering this one is in Oxford. If this was in Raleigh, I would pick the Wolfpack to win this one. I'm going to... You know what? I will pick NC State. I will pick NC State in this one, and we'll revisit this uh, two days from now and see how wrong I am. Clemson at Alabama. Alabama. Next question. They're currently averaging a ton of points, and I don't think Clemson currently has anything this season to offer that is like, wow, look at Clemson. Yeah, Alabama currently has the number one offense in the country. So, yeah, give me Clemson. And that's not me just saying that's that's statistically where they're at. Tennessee at North Carolina. A lot of people want to make a big deal about this one and say, oh, goodness, this could be the best game. It's not going to be the best game. It could be NC State and Ole Miss. Uh, I'm going to take North Carolina to win this one. I don't trust Tennessee's three-point shooting in, in big games. They didn't do it last year. They couldn't do it against Purdue. If I'm not mistaken, they couldn't do it against Kansas where they only scored 60 points. You can look at the box score here. Yeah, 27% from three. Good job, Vols. I'm going to be taking uh, I'm going to be taking UNC here. Texas A&M at Virginia. Why would you do this to why would you do this to the Southeastern Conference son? Why would you take Texas A&M, who has lost to FAU, who has scored a ton of points this season, who has the number 4 offense in the country and the number 1 offensive rebounding team in the nation? Why would you go and take them and put them on the road against Virginia basketball and just say, "Have fun." It's like st- it's like setting your kid down in the sand pit without looking across the way. And seeing that his little his bully that has been nagging at him, where obviously Virginia and AM don't have a rivalry, but a bully that's been nagging at him is just sitting across the way and he's just constantly throwing sand at him over and over and over, just ruining whatever castle little Timmy's trying to build. It's just it this is going to be a painful, awful, disgusting game. Give me Texas AM out of spite for whoever decided to put Virginia up against AM. Put AM up against a more fun team. Don't bog them down. Give Virginia somebody that can't score. Make that game in the 40s. Just like, make it awful. Nobody wants to see A&M get hurt, uh, get hurt and blown uh, to be, to pieces. They may win um, and still get destroyed uh, emotionally in this one. 
And also, not an A&M fan, it just feels awful to to put any, if we're doing SEC-ACC challenge and we're on the SEC side of things, feels weird just to, to put that team up against Virginia. Wake Forest against Florida. I'm going to be taking Florida in this game. I have faith in Florida to be a solid team this year. Duke at Arkansas. Give me Duke on the road. Um, this could be a 50-50 ball game. A lot of good contests, I think, uh, in this one. Arkansas right now 4-3. and three. They lost to Memphis, UNC Greensboro, and North Carolina. They're projected to lose this game by three. Could be close. Arkansas could win. Who knows? Would be huge for the resume because right now it's they've whiffed on some big ones. Boston College at Vanderbilt. I'm going to abstain from this one because who on earth wants to pick Boston College at Vanderbilt? And then Georgia at Florida State. Uh, give me FSU in this one. I think FSU just picked up a really solid win recently uh, against against Colorado. Yeah, that, why was Colorado ranked, by the way? Can we talk about that for a second? Why on earth were the Buffs ranked? Make it make sense. They, sh- they should have been. Virginia Tech at Auburn. Virginia Tech is awful. So give me Auburn, um, despite wanting to pick against Auburn. So there you have it. The SEC-ACC Challenge. That's my thought on it. That's my take on it. Uh, if you want to let me know what your picks are for the conference, uh, it'll leave that in the comments below. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave those in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for a recap episode of Kentucky versus Miami. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless. Thank you.